I'm David Porter, author of Five Minutes to Live. Just a few things to note about the podcast. First, if you want to purchase Five Minutes to Live, the link is in the description of the podcast, but can be purchased online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and even at Walmart and Target online. I've also listed my Facebook and Twitter links. I'd love to hear from you, especially if you're enjoying the book. In this series, we're going to read through Five Minutes to Live, chapter by chapter, releasing a new chapter each week. If you didn't start with Episode 1, the prologue, please go back and start there. Please subscribe and hit the alert notification, whatever that looks like on your preferred podcast platform. That way you'll know when the new episodes are released. And if you're enjoying this journey, please, please, please share this podcast with your friends and family. Five Minutes to Live has a lot of footnotes for the research done and the Bible verses quoted. I'll post those footnotes in the description of each episode. Finally, I've got a new book on the way titled 60 Seconds of Silence that I am really excited about. Once that book is available, I'll go back and post that link in each episode's description as well. With that, thank you for being here. Let's get started. Chapter 5. By the time I made my way back to my seat, Aaron had put his computer away and was just beginning to eat his breakfast, eggs, pancakes, and coffee. He motioned for me to sit down at the table with him as he swallowed the food in his mouth. Coffee smells good, I said, and almost on cue, the flight attendant was there placing a plate of food in front of me. <clears throat> Thank you, and, and coffee for me too, I asked. The flight attendant smiled and hurried off. I noticed that my voice was beginning to sound better. I looked at my watch and it said 5.30 a.m., but it seemed much later than that. I asked, <clears throat> what time is it? Aaron looked down at his watch and said 12.30 p.m. Israel time. You probably want to change the time on your watch. You don't want to try and do the calculation every time you look at your wrist. We've got a little while before we land. Eat up. I was famished. I realized I hadn't eaten anything since lunch yesterday, and I'd been looking forward to a $500 dinner, so that lunch had been light. I cut a bite of pancake that was dripping in syrup and placed the whole thing in my mouth. It was too much for one bite, but somehow I managed to get it all in. I made it work. Hey, you never told me why we're going to Israel. Why would they take Jessica there? I asked, struggling to keep the pancake in and the words discernible. Our intelligence unit is confident that Jessica didn't have her research with her last night. So they, whoever they are, have her, but not her technology, her research and all of that. The next logical step for them is to make their way to her laboratory get her to give the information to them and then use it for whatever they have planned, Aaron said as he was finishing up his breakfast. Didn't you hear her scream Eli as she was being pushed in the Humvee last night? I nodded. Thinking back, I did remember hearing her scream that name as she was shoved in the truck. It gave me a horrible feeling thinking of her trap with those people. Obviously, Aaron continued, Eli is your friend's boss. Dr. Eli Kaplan, we think she was telling you, instructing you with her last free breath, to go find Dr. Kaplan. 
He must have the information or controls access to the research, the schematics, the plans, etc. That makes sense, but don't you think that they've already raided the facility or covertly snuck in or whatever you spy people do? I mean, it took us at least two hours to get airborne last night after they had flown away, I said. Did you see what type of airplane they were in? That was a C-130 propeller-driven cargo plane. The top speed for that type of aircraft is somewhere in the neighborhood of 590 kilometers per hour. Our aircraft is a Cessna Citation, and we have a cruising speed in excess of 950 kilometers per hour. Even if they were able to get Dr. Kaplan's whereabouts from your friend immediately after takeoff and went directly to the lab, we should be well ahead of them, Aaron said confidently. Great. Great, I said. Okay, then, do you have any clues who they are? Who are these kidnappers? What are they planning to do with Jessica's research and invention? And more importantly, what will they do with Jessica if they're able to get it? Will they let her go? The question sounded stupid, even as it was coming out of my mouth. I think you know the answer to that one, don't you, Matt? The information is valuable because she is the only one who has it. If they manage to steal it and she is left alive, there is risk of her duplicating the work, so they will want to eliminate that option. Right now, we don't know who these guys are. The working theory is that they are a mercenary group who has been hired by a rival research firm or energy consortium. Honestly, we just don't know, but we think the group behind the kidnapping is in it for the profit. It makes the most sense. With her work and invention, there is the potential for billions and billions of dollars in profit. Consider the oil industry and how much money is generated by the countries with the oil fields. Think about the Saudi princes, the luxury, the opulence, the priceless cars, jewels, mansions, airplanes, and all of that which comes from oil production. Now imagine that all of that excess could be yours. That's the kind of money we're talking about. Maybe now you understand the lengths that these people will be willing to go to to get what they want. We're talking billions of dollars. Billions, not millions. Do you understand the difference in billions and millions? It seemed like a simple question, and I nodded that I did. Aaron shook his head and said, No, I don't think you really do. The true difference in one million and one billion is astronomical. We have a hard time to even quantify it, especially since the two words rhyme. That is truly unfortunate. Here's an easy way to begin to fully realize the difference between million and billion. One million seconds is equal to a little over 11 days. One billion seconds is equal to a little over 31 and a half years. Do you understand how much money we are thinking? Do you understand the ramifications and why people are trying to steal Jessica's research? Not only is there an astronomical amount to be made by the people who control this energy source, there is also an astronomical amount of money to be lost by the people in the other energy fields. Think of the coal power plants, the nuclear power plants, the wind, hydroelectric plants. They will all go out of business. Jessica's in real trouble, isn't she? Be completely honest with me. Do you think we can actually save her? 
Aaron didn't hesitate. Yes, Matt, I do. We just need to put our heads together and get one step ahead of them. That's what we're about to do. Once we touch down, we're going to be headed to the Azraeli Sorona Tower in Tel Aviv. Azraeli Sorona Tower, Tel Aviv, I said, making a mental note. Aaron continued. Jessica's lab is located on one of the top floors. We get there, talk to Dr. Kaplan, and get the information. Once the enemy knows the information is no longer exclusive, hopefully they will release your friend, Dr. Adams, or be willing to swap your friend for the information. We'll gladly swap the research and her information to get your friend returned safely. I started to lose my temper and said, probably a little louder than I should have. If Dr. Kaplan has access to the information, why don't we just call him and get him to email it to us or something? Surely there could have been an easier way to accomplish this than flying all the way over here and meeting with him face to face. This is ridiculous. Jessica's safety is at risk and you're making me fly halfway around the world when a phone call would have worked. Aaron was cool. Didn't miss a beat. Kaplan doesn't know us. Why would he agree to help us, the Mossad, if we just barged into his lab, demanding that he give us his ultra-valuable information? Is he going to trust some random guys with badges? Don't forget, he's going to get rich off of this invention, too. This isn't the United States. Even if we had a warrant, like what you would use, it doesn't mean he is going to turn over the correct information. He might not even have it. We honestly have no idea what we're looking for and wouldn't have a clue what we're looking at. We need his cooperation. That's where you come in, Matt. Where I come in? I've never met, never even talked to Dr. Kaplan. How am I supposed to help? The guys in the think tank are sure, based on the length of time of your relationship with Dr. Adams, that she has spoken about you over the years. The two of you have traveled together and more. Kaplan will be familiar with who you are. And even if he isn't, you know enough about her that he could quiz you and you'd know details so intimate that he could be assured that you and Dr. Adams were friends. How in the world do you know we've traveled together? How could you possibly have that information? I know the Mossad has surveillance techniques that I can't even begin to imagine, but you and I just met a few hours ago, and we've been on an airplane this whole time. I felt like I was interrogating him now. Aaron just smiled and opened his laptop. He said, the jet has Wi-Fi capabilities. The laptop has internet access. He typed a few keystrokes and swiveled the computer to face me. You have a Facebook profile page with dozens of pictures of the two of you in different locations. Super surveillance technique, huh? He might as well have added, you idiot, but I'm glad he didn't. I wonder what the Hebrew word for moron is. Aaron might start using it as my nickname. The flight attendant reappeared and began clearing the dishes. In my mind, her timing couldn't have been more perfect. I didn't know how else I was going to get out of that moment with Aaron. She asked if we would like more coffee, and I nodded enthusiastically. Aaron turned to me and said, I see from your pictures that you and Jessica have traveled to several different places together, but you can only tell so much from pictures. What's your, um, status? Are you a couple? I knew this was coming. 
It was clear to me from the moment I stepped off the elevator the night before that Aaron was interested in Jessica, even though he was a few years older than us. I did my best to control my jealousy, my anger, my embarrassment, my low self-esteem. I had a physical reaction before I could put into words the reality of our relationship. Aaron must have picked up on it, and before I could answer, he interrupted my thoughts with another question. How did the two of you meet? The flight attendant returned with a small pot of coffee and poured it into my cup. She left the pot sitting on the table and made her way toward the back of the airplane. How did the two of you meet? Aaron asked again. We met in an airport. I don't know how to tell you this story without sounding like a complete wimp, but if you know the circumstances behind my actions, it might help you understand. A few years ago, I was flying home from my dad's funeral. I was in line to get some coffee, and it was taking so long I was getting angry. I could literally feel my temperature rising. Why can't people decide what they want before they get to the person taking the orders? Am I right? Aaron nodded. Anyway, I was looking at my watch, trying to will the time to pass, when I heard an angel speaking in my ear. She said, you're not alone, because she was thinking the line was taking forever, just like I was. But what I heard was an angel telling me that even though my dad had died, I wasn't alone in this world. I can't express the feeling that washed over me at that moment, and I broke down in tears. Not the manliest thing to do, right? But that's what happened. Jessica sat with me in the airport for several hours, talking to me, listening to me tell her about my father and our relationship. I told her stupid stories and fond memories. Five hours seemed like five minutes, and, and, and it always does when we're together. If she hadn't said those three simple words, you're not alone, I probably would have done something stupid in the coffee shop, lost my temper, yelled at someone who didn't deserve it, and I definitely wouldn't have one of the most special women in the world in my life. Aaron just sat there staring at me. There was something in his eyes. Sadness? Anger? Pride? Jealousy? Determination? After a few moments, an admittedly awkward few moments, Aaron asked, Do you remember the last day you spent with your dad? I do, I replied. Tell me about it. It was Christmas. I'm not sure if you celebrate Christmas in Israel, but in the United States, it's a pretty big deal. Hey, I just realized this is my first trip out of the country. Talk about unique circumstances. Hey, anyway... I went, to, I went back to the house I grew up in to visit my parents for Christmas. I was there for the weekend. My aunts and uncles came over one night. I got to spend some time with my cousins like we did when I was young. On Christmas morning, we opened some presents, and my mom even cooked a turkey. But do you remember the last day you spent with your father? Aaron asked, interrupting my thought. Yeah, I guess, I said. It was the day after Christmas, and Dad and I watched some NBA game on television, ate some leftovers, and that afternoon he drove me to the airport. The last time I saw my dad alive was when I said goodbye at the airport. We actually hugged on that day. My dad told me he loved me. I remember that. He told me he loved me. 
My dad was too young. He should still be alive. Aaron sat there quietly, something in his look, his eyes. What's going on, Aaron? What are you thinking? Moments passed as Aaron gathered his thoughts and was finally about to put into words what he had been sitting there thinking about. My father was too young when I lost him, too. When I was very young, 1978, I said goodbye to my father for the last time. I remember everything about that day. My dad is my hero, and I've spent my whole life trying to be like him, to follow in his footsteps, to continue what he started. My dad made a difference in this world and for my country. I found out later that he died in the line of duty, Aaron finally said. I asked, do you remember your last day with him? Vividly. My last day with him was a Wednesday, and I woke up to get ready for school. My mother came in and told me that I didn't have to go to school that day. She told me I was going to spend the morning with my father. I could see the sadness in her eyes, but was too young to really understand. Excited, I left my bedroom and went to our kitchen where I found my father. That was unusual, not because my parents were separated, but because of his job. He was rarely home at all. He cooked me scrambled eggs, adding cheese like he always did. He called it his secret recipe. All these years later, I have the clearest picture of what he looked like when he turned around to greet me because it was so unusual. He was wearing brown corduroy pants and a striped t-shirt, typical 70s dress. But the thing that stands out to me was his face. It was the first time in my young life that I had seen my father's face. He had always worn a thick, long beard that was black as ink. But that morning, standing in the kitchen of that little house, I saw my father's clean-shaven face. It startled me at first. I didn't even recognize him. Aaron turned and looked out the window, lost in his thoughts, his memories of his father long ago. I said, I'm sure he was a special man, and I'm sure he loved you very much. Continuing to look out the window, Aaron said, My dad loved just a handful of things. He loved me, and my mother, of course. He loved his country, and he loved football. Ah, what you call soccer in America. On that Wednesday morning, Father took me to the park, and we played football together. I'm sure we played it together at other times, but I only remember that one day. I could tell you every detail about that day. I even remember the smallest details, like the way my dad's cheek had a dimple when he smiled, how his breath smelled like coffee when he hugged me, even the scent of his aftershave. I remember the details because after that day, everything was different. That's the day my life changed forever, and the course of my life was set. For the very first time since I met Aaron, I felt some sort of a bond with him. At that moment, and for that instant, we were equals. No longer were we handsome super spy and confused dinner date. We were two men who had been shaped by the loss of their fathers. His father died in some heroic fashion. My father died of a heart attack. Both men were too young and taken from us too early. And in very different ways, our father's deaths 
had altered the path we were walking on. Aaron's path became immediately clear. He decided that that day to follow in his father's heroic footsteps. After my father's death and my meeting Jessica, I gradually realized I needed to grow up, dedicate myself to my spiritual growth and develop my relationship with God, become a man who would make my father proud, the man he trained me to be. The catalyst for change for both of us had been the deaths of our fathers. Aaron continued, After my father's death, the political leaders thought it would be best if my mother and I relocated, citing safety concerns. We moved to England. That's where I learned English. I traded sunny days in Israel for wet winters, fog, and cold in jolly old England. I could taste the sarcasm in his voice. I traded football with my father, someone who loved and cared for me, in the neighborhood park for football with English lads, kids who teased me relentlessly in Hyde Park. Well, I said, I guess that explains your English accent. How long did you live in England, and how did you get connected with Mossad? I poured myself another few sips of coffee, not even half a cup. Like I said, I was very young when we moved. We actually bounced around to several places along the way before finally landing in England. Once we were finally in London, we found a community that accepted us, and we began to fit in. It wasn't home, but to my mother it began to feel more like a community. I went to primary school and then went on to university on a football scholarship. My mother still lives in London. The flight attendant returned and cleared our remaining dishes. She told us to prepare for landing. We would begin our descent in a few minutes. Okay, Matt. Time to get your game face on. We're landing in Haifa, and then we'll have about an hour drive to get to Tel Aviv and the Israeli Sorona Tower. Why aren't we just landing in Tel Aviv? I asked, suddenly confused. Isn't there an airport located in Tel Aviv? Aaron nodded coolly and said, Logistics. Ben-Gurion Airport, the largest in the country, is located in Tel Aviv. It's also the busiest with commercial airlines, which makes it harder for us to squeeze in our landing. Logistically, it's better to land in Haifa and drive. Relax. We're going to get her back. You mean Mossad can't get flights rearranged so they can land where they want to? If Benjamin Netanyahu was on board the flight or some other government official, then yes, we could. If this was a diplomatic mission, then yes, of course we could get flights changed. This is a kidnapping of an unknown scientist. It's just not as high of a priority. Besides, landing in Haifa will actually allow us to get to the Israeli Sorona Tower easier and possibly quicker than if we landed in Tel Aviv. It will be a quick landing and a quick walk to our waiting car. We will encounter very minimal traffic. It is better to land in Haifa. Trust me, we know what we're doing. The airplane began a marked descent, steep and unexpected. I think he saw the confused look on my face, and Aaron shrugged and buckled his seatbelt. This wasn't his first military flight. Glancing out of the window, I watched as we dipped below the clouds and rushed toward the ground. End of chapter 5 If you're still here, thanks for sticking around. I hope you enjoyed that reading. If you want to purchase 5 Minutes to Live, the link is in the description below, and you can find my Facebook and Twitter links there as well. Drop me a line. 
Please subscribe and hit the bell so you know when the next chapter is released. And if you're enjoying this, please share it with your friends and family. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time.